It's very good to be here at the house of the Lord today to come and worship the only true and living God. The God that created heaven, earth, the sea, and all that therein is. It's very good that we can come today and remember the death of His Son who loved us and gave Himself for us, died upon that cross and shed His blood that we could have the forgiveness of our sin and a, have, and a home in heaven. In the 21st chapter of Revelation, I want to read a few verses here. First four verses. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city coming down out of God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be with his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I don't know how you could... Describe such a wonderful place in his few words. But God's going to be with his family for all eternity. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. There's nothing in this life to compare the other life to. It's that great. It's that wonderful. It's what we expect to see. It's why we serve God. It's our motivation. If you want to go to heaven, follow Jesus. You know, that's just about as simple as I can make the gospel. Follow Jesus. That's said over and over in Scripture. Follow Jesus. Someone says, well, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things, but it means to follow His teachings. To follow His wisdom. To follow the things that He gave us. You know, a lot of people want to go to heaven. But not everybody's willing to pay the cost. The cost of discipleship is high. It's your life. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We'll probably use that scripture several times this morning. It's the cost of discipleship. It's denying self. It's denying what I want. It's doing God's will in my life. 
You know, I suppose if we went out into the community this morning and we did a survey and we asked people if they wanted to go to heaven, I can't really imagine anybody that would say no. But most don't want to pay the cost. Self-denial. Deny self. What does that mean? It means to do God's will in every part of my life. You know, God didn't just sit up there in heaven and make a list of rules and say, well, I just think I want to give them a hard time. That's not the God we serve. We serve a loving Father who wants the very best for His children. And God made a list of rules for us that would make life simple. And when we get away from those simple rules, life gets very complicated very quickly. That's why God gave us the rules that He did. is for our good. He said He gave these commandments for our good always. It's always for our good to follow God. Because God is good. If people don't think God is good, it's because they haven't studied His Word and understand Him. Can God get angry? He does. Can God bring judgment? He does. But it's not before people were given a lot of opportunity. And you know, if someone just insists on being king of their life and inflicting pain on others, God's going to punish that. There's no question about that. I put some things up here on the board. John 3, 5 says, Except a man be born of water into the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's talking about the new birth. That's talking about obeying the gospel. That's talking about, about being baptized into Christ, being baptized into His church. And if we don't do that, we can't enter into heaven. That's one of His rules. When we enter into heaven, there's a Christian life to be lived. And that's what we're doing every day of our life. We choose to follow God and do those things that are best for us, that are best for our family, our community, our nation. Or we go against that. And it all depends on the choices that we make. When life is over, there's going to be a day called the judgment day. Jesus said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. What's written here? That's what God wants us to follow. 
And remember, he gave that for our good always. The judgment is kind of like the final exam at school and graduation. God will examine our life according to what we've been taught from the Scripture. But the main focus that I want to get on this morning is this part in the middle, our Christian life. The time between when we're born again and when we stand before God in judgment and the time that we are judged and we hear Jesus say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In between that is where we're at right now. Right now, we need to be applying these scriptures to our lives to learn how to live a beneficial life for our family and for God and for our brothers and sisters in the Lord and our nation. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from what? I don't think he's saying, I'm going to give you a king-size bed. What's he saying? Rest from the burden of sin. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, Jesus said. The way of the transgressor is hard. Come unto me, Jesus says. That's his invitation to each one of us. In Luke 11 and verse number 28, Jesus said, Blessed are they that hear the word and keep it. That's a little short sentence, isn't it? But it's so full of meaning. Who's going to be blessed by God? Those that hear the word of God and keep it. It's plain, it's simple, we can't miss it. So why doesn't everybody do it? My answer this morning is most of the people that I talk to in the community don't even know it. How can they keep what they don't know? That's our job. We need to be telling everybody, follow Jesus. You'll be glad you did. Revelation twenty-two fourteen 14 says, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates into the city. They chose the good path. Straight is the gate, and there is the way that leadeth unto life, Jesus said, and few there be that find it. Because wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Which path are we on this morning? 
He tells us where each path leads. He tells us what the destination is, what the end game is. But we must make our choice of paths today. That's not a decision that we make at the judgment. It's the decision that we make today. You know, if we wait till down at the judgment day, everyone would change paths that's on the wrong path, wouldn't they? But how are they gonna how are they gonna do that then? How are you going to get away from God on the day of judgment? Somebody says, Well, I'll run away. 2 Peter 3.10 says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. If the earth's not going to be here, where are we going to run to hide from God? The Bible says on that day that some will call for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the face of God. Nobody but God moves the rocks and the mountains. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day we need to take this opportunity. Today is the day to change our lives if we haven't been following Jesus. As we think about the Christian life, you know, we are born into this life. We didn't choose to do that, but we were born into this life. That wasn't a choice. There are things that we have a choice in. There are things we don't have a choice in. My parents gave me a name when I was born. I didn't have any say in that. But you see, I do get to make my choice about where I spend eternity. I'm so glad we don't have a state religion that we all got to be a member of. That's run by politicians. I get to make my choice. We have freedom of religion in America. We have freedom of choice. What a great blessing. People haven't always had those kinds of choices. And so as we think about the Christian life and we think about Christian duties, we think about praying to God. Would you think it was a great opportunity if you could sit down with the heads of all the nations of the world? You can't do that. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can enter into the presence of the God that created the world. And you can make known unto Him the desires of your heart.
And a lot of people curse God. A lot of people speak evil of God. A lot of people don't like God. But that doesn't keep him from being God. He doesn't need us, but we need him. We need him. As we think about Christian duties, we think about our responsibility to study the Bible. Do we? That's probably the greatest neglected scripture in all the Bible. The Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians, for they received the word of God with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures whether these things were so. I started visiting with Brother Kurt and his family a few months back. And he said, Jay, i got to tell you right up front, I may not always agree with you. <laughs> I said, that's okay. That's okay. But we do need to agree with God. We do. And he told us, search the Scriptures. How can we know the will of God if we won't even open up the book? How can we help each other if we can't even discuss the most important book on the face of the earth? I went into the spud nut shop many years ago. And a preacher from another church came and he sat down there. And I had a friend with me. And the preacher stuck out his hand to my friend. Said, who are you? And he introduced himself. And he said, who are you? He said, I'm Jay Henderson. That was a little odd, I thought. But you know, our surname is not really, does not really identify us. I've got some kinfolks with the same surname that I have that some people around here don't think too much of. Because of their lifestyle. That doesn't identify who I am. But when I say I'm a Christian, that should identify who we are. And we should be walking worthy of that name. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That name meant something. People of the first century died for wearing that name. We don't have that kind of persecution. As we think about Christian duties, the Scripture says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another than so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why are we here today? fellow told me two or three weeks ago that he went to Floyd 8 on Sunday night. He was going to go visit another church. He went to seven churches and none of them opened the door.
Why did we show up at 10.30 here this morning? That's the appointed time that the elders have appointed for us to come together or else we'd just be coming and going all day. It's not an accident that we're here. We didn't show up just out of the blue. We were just driving down the street and decided to turn in here. The Scripture says, Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This is the day that we remember the Lord. This is the Lord's day. We remember what He did for us, the great sacrifice that He made. I think about Christian duties. And I think about raising our families to be Christians. Of all the things that we want for our children, the greatest should be for them to be a Christian. And God set up a system for it to work that way. In Malachi, he tells us one of the purposes of marriage was to see, God was seeking godly seed. People that would follow Him. That's my responsibility and your responsibility to raise your children and teach them to know God, to know right from wrong and good from evil. That's our responsibility. That's a duty that God gave us. Jesus said to pray. pray. What's that word talking about? It's talking about talking to God. Somebody says, you talk to an invisible person. I'm not ashamed to say yes every day. I want to talk to God. I want His help. I want His wisdom. I want His guidance. And I could go on listing these, but I want to focus on this is what we need to be concerned about today. We can't go back and change our past life. We can't change where we spend eternity at the day after judgment. But we can live for God today. It's who we are. It's why we do what we do. It's why we don't do other things that a lot of other people are doing. Before I get off of this point of raising our families to be Christians, what if every daddy was a good daddy and provided for his family? And what if every mother was a good mother and took care of her children? Would the world be any different? It'd be a lot different, wouldn't it? You know, when I was a, when I was a kid 70 years ago, nearly everybody went to church somewhere on Sunday. You probably can't even imagine this, but I remember when farmers, whether they were in the church or not, they shut their wells down on Saturday night 
And they didn't start them up until Monday morning. That's the kind of community that Plainview was. I'm not saying that's a command of God. Don't get after me after service. But I'm just trying to draw a picture of how the world is changing. Jesus said when we pray, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does anybody doubt that God's will is done every second in heaven? Satan led a rebellion, and a third of the angels fell. They didn't stay. I want to look at Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> and long about verse number 19. I th here it is. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, <clears throat> revelings and the such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, we look at that list. Are those sins prevalent in plain view today? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. That means a lot of people are not listening to God. But I can tell you the people that live this lifestyle, and I, I want to mention one word out of there. <clears throat> they which do such things. What does that mean? Does that mean if you did one of these things one time in your life, you're blowed up? No. What Paul's talking about is people, that that's their lifestyle. They continually practice these things. They're not going to go to heaven. There won't be any of those things going on in heaven. And if this is what you like and this is what you want, you're not going to be happy in heaven. Because there won't be any of that there. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wanted us to have the abundant life. That's what he's about. He wants you to have the best of things, not the leftovers. Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
And I'm telling you, this list of things steal people's right to heaven, kill them spiritually, and destroy their lives. Is that what we want to do every day? Is that the choice that we want to make? You know, Paul, when he wrote the Ephesian letter, I'm sorry, the first Corinthian letter, in chapter 6, he wrote words very similar to this. And he, talked, he gave a catalog of sin, just like he does right here. But after that, you know what he said? He said, such were some of you. Such were some of you. What does that mean? Were is past tense. They weren't that any they were not that when Paul wrote this letter. Well, how could they be that here and they're not that here? That's what the gospel's about. That's what the blood of Jesus is about. That's what the church is all about. Is fixing people's lives. Where they can change their life. I'm glad we don't serve a God that doesn't give us even one mistake. Or even if He gave us ten chances, nobody in this room would be going to heaven. That's why the Scripture calls it the gospel, which literally means the good news. I don't have to be that anymore. I was. I must admit that I was. I'm lying if I deny my sin. But he said, you don't have to stay that way. What's the difference between a sinner and a saint? A saint is someone who has changed from being a sinner to being a saint. That's why there's two words. And you can't be both at the same time. You know, as we look at these lists of sins... That's what Satan has in his seed bag. You know, Jesus taught the parable of the sower. The sower went forth to seed. He had, went forth to sow, pardon me. And he took these seed. You know, they carried a little dip probably on their hip, and they'd reach in there and they'd get seed, and they'd just broadcast them out there. And they'd reach in there and get some more. The good seed, Jesus said, is the Word of God. the Word of God. So what is the bad seed? The works of the flesh. You know, people had to get the idea to do those things before they could do them. Satan's been working. In 2 Corinthians the 11th 
chapter, in verse, I don't remember the verse, the 11th chapter, he talks about Satan's ministers. A minister's a servant. There's a lot of different kinds of servants in the church. It depends on what you're ministering. If you're ministering to people's health, that's one kind of ministry. If you're cooking for somebody, that's another kind of ministry. If you're preaching the Word, that's a different kind of ministry. God has ministers. Satan has ministers. The drug dealer is one of Satan's ministries. He's saying, hey, <laughs> I've got something better than God could ever give you. Boy, you are going to be so high. You are going to be so lifted up. You are going to feel so good. Part of that may be true. But it's not the whole truth. What goes up must come down. And sometimes the crash is terrible. And what it does to you and your life and your family and your friends and your neighbors. There's two kinds of seed. You know, if we think about our house, my wife and I have a house west of town. We like our house. We like sharing it with other people. But you know, there's a lot of things that I don't allow in my house. Things that some of my neighbors allow in their house. I don't tell them how to run their house. They don't tell me how to run my house. Jesus has two, pardon me, God has two houses. One house is the church. The Bible says the house of God which is the church of the living God. That's one of His houses, the church. Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we. That's not the church. That's lights and boards and metal. and That's not the church. We are the church. Christ is building each one of us into the character that he wants us to be. That's what he does. And we can be that. As we talk about what we do in our house, do you have a right to set the rules in your house? Somebody says, absolutely I do. Well, you do. You do have the right 
Everybody here would say, I've got the right to set the rules in my house, what happens here and what don't happen here. I have a say over that. That's true. That's right. That's fair. Does God have a right to set rules in His house, the church, and in heaven, the other home of God? Well, now, I don't know about... You have the right to set the rules in your house, but God doesn't have a right to set the rules in His house? How's that work? We were right the first time. Everybody has a right to set the rules in their own house. And then other people must make a choice whether they want to come and visit my wife and I if they're going to come and hit on my wife, well, they're not coming. If they want to come and bring booze to a party, they're not coming. If they're going to come and take God's name in vain every other sentence, they're not coming. At my house. That's my right to do that. It's God's right to say what goes on in His house. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? God doesn't take instruction from anybody. Who hath been his counselor? Where does God get his advice? Where does he get his counsel? He's all wise. As I said earlier, He doesn't need us. We need Him. We need Him. When Jesus extended an invitation there in Revelation, He said, Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Who did, what does... Pardon me. Who does the word whosoever cover? Can you think of anybody that that leaves out? Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. You can come into God's house. You can come into God's family. You can enjoy the blessings of that family. If you agree to His rules. And if not, you wouldn't be happy there anyway. Whosoever will, let him come. Jesus said, He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out or cast away. I want you here. That's what Jesus is saying. I want you here. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's His desire. But you see, it's whosoever will. And we all have a will. And so there are those 
that whosoever will and whosoever want. And if I want to come to God and obey His will, it says, if any man shall do His will, he shall know of the doctrine. See, we can come. That's the invitation. But we've got to agree to live by His rules. And so as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, such were some of you. Corinth was probably what we'd call San Francisco or New York or somewhere we think about where it's just a lot, a lot, a lot of evil. And I, I don't know that we're a whole lot different, but anyway, they kind of have a reputation. That's the kind of city that Corinth was. But the people in the church at Corinth, Paul said, such were some of you. But they weren't that anymore. They wanted to be different. And they weren't going to be ashamed of the cross. They weren't going to be ashamed of their brothers and sisters in the Lord. They were going to stand with the minority. And they were going to stand for what was right. And really what works. The things that God teaches us are things that work. And the law of the jungle don't work. It just smashes innocent people. It destroys lives. It's every man for himself. Folks don't choose that way. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. Stand with the few. Stand with the few. Say, I want some of this. I want to be a part of that. If you're here this morning and you need to make a change in your life, Paul said today's the day of salvation. We're going to sing a song here in a minute. And I want to make a couple more points and then I'm going to close. Number 541, the book in our song book, is called Blessed Assurance. That's the name of the song. I remember... Singing this song at Second Beach over 70 years ago. I've always liked this song. My uncle Floyd Moore liked to lead this song. It's got great words. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Do we want to have that assurance that if I die today, I'll wake up in heaven? The chorus says, this is my story. This is my song. Is this your song today? This is my song.
This is my story. Praising my Savior all the day long. My Savior. Jesus is the Savior of the world, but all the world don't want to be saved. And so they won't. But I want to ask you today, and be very honest with yourself, as we sing this song, is this your story? Do you have the assurance that if this were the last day upon this earth, it would be great when you wake up? If you need to make a change this morning, would you come as we stand and sing?